see the world, our motivations, why we do the things we do. And Jesus is very direct. And one thing that it says about the people that, that Jesus spoke to was they marveled at him because he spoke with authority, unlike the rest of the religious leaders. And I, I don't want to be one of the rest of those religious leaders. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be, be enamored with the authority that he spoke with. He cut to the heart of people as he spoke truth and he spoke grace. And, and so as we, as we listen to the words of James here, you know, this, we're, in the, we're, we're at the end of the third chapter. And if you've, if you've followed along in James, James doesn't pull any punches, does he? James continues to flesh out this journey that Jesus calls us on that marries grace and relationship, covenant relationship with the Father, unmerited favor with obedience. He weaves those two together. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't apologize for putting those two things together. And there's a strength in that. But there's also this, when Jesus, when Jesus spoke to the crowds, the, the, the vulnerable, the marginalized, people who are walking in sin, and he spoke with authority, what happened? They drew towards him. There was something in the way that he loved. There was something in the way that he cared that drew people towards him, even as he spoke with authority to the depth of their hearts. So I want you to listen to, the, to this, this small uh, section of Psalms 103, because I believe this is the heart of the Father as we look at James. This is verse 13, as a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. There's so much grace. And, and I believe as we dig into James and talk about wisdom here, that, that we do so in the context of a savior whose love draws us in and whose authority cuts to the deepest parts of our heart, whose Father's love envelops us in grace and compassion, not counting our sins against us, but wanting to transform us from the inside out. And I want to invite you to open your hearts. This is a vulnerable place I'm inviting you to this morning, to open your hearts and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have for me as you're calling me to wisdom? Can we, can we look at, at verse 13 here? This is James 3, starting in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the, weak, in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. This is rich. This is deep and rich. Where I want to start here in this passage 
is to go back to James 1. And I want to try to point out a progression that I, th- that I think we see two places in James. It starts at the beginning uh, of the book, and then it repeats itself in here. So bear with me here as I try to point or journey through this pattern. But this is, this is where I really want to start. So where does James 1 start? The beginning of the book, he starts out with trials. And in verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There may be a few of us in this room that choose trials, but most of the time trials are beyond our control, is it not? And that's a vulnerable place. And despite our efforts to often avoid trials because they bring pain, they bring discomfort, don't they? What, what is produced in us, what does it say? What is produced in us in the midst of trial, in the midst of pain? Steadfastness, and steadfastness produces completeness, perfection, wholeness. There's something that the Lord does in us in the midst of trials. Kids, I, I want to recognize that there, we have our elementary students in the room throughout the summer. I want to say, hey, it is a privilege to have you guys in here. Thank you for being with us. And I, and I know that those of you who are you're different ages and you're able to tune in, you tune out, and that's okay. That, that's fine. But I want to connect with you guys real quick here. T- I'm talking about trials. Can somebody tell me what a trial is? What's a trial? A test? Good. What else? What's a, what's a, what's a trial? Hard time. Hard, something that we're going through that's hard. Kids, do you go through things that are hard? You do. You do. Would anybody? Would it, would any would any of you guys uh, who are in elementary, high school be, be be willing to throw out what's something hard that you've gone through in the last few weeks, last few months? Anything? Moving from another country. That's hard. Because I'm guessing, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you've said goodbye to friends, things, things that are familiar, a home that you enjoyed, and 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 you're that, there's a rending, a tearing away that hurts. Some of some of some of you some of you you what's that? Mad. <laughs> math math can be a trial for sure. <laughs> math can produce pain in some. And great joy in others. <laughs> and both are okay, right? <laughs> yes. So, so, so what is, is, is God in the midst of those painful places for you guys? Young or old, is he in the midst of those painful places? He is. And what's he doing? He's doing something. He's creating steadfastness that produces completeness, wholeness. Now, from, from here, James says... But if if you if you lack, he said the, the the end of the end of verse three is lacking in nothing, right? But he says if you do lack, and and he says wisdom. If you lack wisdom, ask. 
So he goes from, he goes, he goes from this journey of, of trials that produces completeness and wholeness to wisdom, asking for wisdom. And the, Lord's, the Lord gives generously, and he asks us to be anchored in who the Lord is as we ask, and anchored in the Lord's faithfulness. And I, I, want, I want to point out here that here, trials are the trigger or the motivator that, that help us recognize our lack, right? When, when trials happen, we, we realize, whoa, I don't have it together as if I thought I had it together in the first place. And I, I, I'm in need. I need the Lord. But not just that. Trials are also a tool that the Lord uses to develop that completeness in us. They reveal our need and they produce that, the wholeness that we're needing, that we're asking for, that we're hungering for. Embracing trials is, are, is not easy, but I believe in order for us to live out wisdom, the Lord is, is asking us to embrace trial. James even gives an, a practical example in, in this passage, and he says, he talks about, let the lowly brother, the one experiencing physical lack, which poverty makes us vulnerable to violence, right? It makes us vulnerable to exploitation because of our, our physical poverty. Let him boast in exaltation. Why, why would he boast? Because of what the Lord is doing in him, making him complete, whole before the Lord. The Lord is doing good things among the poor. And he wants us to go there and enter in. And then on the other side, he said, let, let's, let the rich man humble himself knowing his comfort and safety will wither like grass. Do we want trial? I don't think we want it. Yeah, we need it. The Lord is inviting it, us into that place. So, we, so here, here in this first progression, we see trials producing wisdom, which, which, which brings about completeness, wholeness. And then from there, James goes on to unpack how wisdom comes to bear on the motivations of our hearts, and our heart's outflow in relationship. And specifically there, it's slow to speak, quick to listen. Loving the vulnerable and the, and the oppressed. How we deal with favoritism in our hearts. It gets really practical. So that's the front section. Now I want us to look at, it's starting in chapter 3, the second section. And uh, if we had time this morning, where I kind of was thinking about starting out, starting out, was going back to the beginning of chapter 3. John Prickett preached a couple weeks ago, talking about iMessages. If we have time at the end, I want to see if there's anybody that tried out using iMessages over the last couple weeks. I know you have, because I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard it, and I want to know what it's producing. Anybody, anybody, anybody tried out an, an iMessage in the last couple weeks since, since John? I, I have. Okay. Go back and listen to that message. It's very practical. So beginning of, beginning of chapter 3, James is getting real and gritty and saying, what comes out of your mouth matters. And if you want to follow Jesus, learning to control what comes from down here and in, in, in our heart and out of our mouth is a part of following Jesus. And, and, con and controlling, taming our tongue is actually a discipline right? Trial might, might be coming when you're not choosing it, but James is calling us to choose just discipline. And is, is, is discipline comfortable most of the time? No, it's not. Think about sports, no pain, no gain. Your, athletes put their bodies through a lot of pain so that 
in that discipline, they get stronger. They, they increase in skill. And so, so James is inviting, actually commanding us to choose discipline, disciplining our tongue. And it is, it is a, a painful process and requires discomfort for us to train our heart, our mind, our tongues. This is a trial that he's asking us to choose. And then where does he go from taming the tongue? He goes to wisdom. Discipline produces wisdom. And I want you to listen to the, to the, uh, first, uh, the, the first verse, uh, verse 13 of the passage that we're looking at here. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. The picture that I keep, I keep uh, seeing in my mind is raw meat going through a meat grinder. Passing through the meat grinder and it's getting crunched up. And what comes out, have you ever seen, have you ever had that at home? Have you ever grinded it? My wife, my wife grew up in Alaska. She hunted, she killed her first moose when she was, how old were you, babe? 13? 13. And they did a lot of meat grinding. Uh, but 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 wisdom wi- wisdom that's, that's probably that's, that's a little too graphic I don't know <laughs> sorry sorry if I ruined this message with that but but what's what's happening here is we're we're saying God we're willing to submit our hearts and our lives to you what you say is good right true how you measure life. We're willing to submit our hearts and let our hearts pass through what it looks like to follow you. And what comes out, what comes out on the other side, James, in, in action, in word, in the thoughts of our hearts, what comes out, that's wisdom. I used to think wisdom was, oh, I have this, I have this amazing, uh, special, I'm mature, and I have this amazing, special insight that allows me to make great decisions. I make decisions and things go well. I make good decisions and my professional life goes well. I make good decisions and I'm a great parent. I don't believe that's what wisdom is. It's, it's this journey of submitting ourselves to the Lord in, in, in the daily rhythms of life. And what comes out on the other side as it's processed through him in the context of trials. Not, not, not all of life is trial, but in the context of trials and discipline. What comes out is wisdom. So in this, in this second progression, discipline on the front end, taming the tongue, wisdom, and then what comes after that is the journey of wisdom dealing with the motivations of our hearts. And, and, and what comes after it is love of the world. How do we do, how, how do, what's going on in the motivations of our hearts and the way that we love the world? And then relationships. He has all kinds of stuff that, that, that deals with practicals of relationships that comes out of that. So one thing I want to do right now is I want to pause and I want to celebrate the fact that in every one of our lives, the Lord has been at work in the midst of trial. Now, now not every, not, I, I, I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to explain the whys of suffering in your life. There's the, there's the, we live in a broken world. Uh, it's broken by sin, the sin of man. Systems are broken. Our bodies are broken. And that's what Jesus came to redeem us from. That's the gospel. 
But in, in the midst of that brokenness, the Lord is doing something in us. And there, there are circumstances right now in everyone, every single person in this room where the Lord has been sowing seeds in your life. And I, want, I believe that the Lord wants to pour some water on these seeds and bring hope this morning. That I, he says, I am at work in the midst of your trials. And I am producing in you completeness, wholeness, and the outflow of this, we're going we're gonna to talk about the outflow of wisdom. The outflow of wisdom doesn't just change your own life. It affects the lives of those around you. It affects the way we relate to each other as a people. This isn't, sorry, I'm just spitting. This isn't just an, an I message for me and, and individual people. This is for everybody in the room and the way we relate to each other. Lord Jesus, I just want to pause and pray. Lord Jesus, we want the, the, the fruits of the trials that you are walking through us with. We want wisdom. And Lord, em embracing discipline in our life is hard. It's hard. I'm not good at it. And Lord, the places that you're calling us to repentance, the places where you're, you're, you're calling us to lean into you when it's uncomfortable and we don't want to, Lord, we say yes, and we say that we need you. Reveal yourself in the midst of these trials. We want wisdom. God, you say ask for it, and we're asking. We're asking this morning, in Jesus' name. As we, as we journey into uh, the, the following verses, uh, starting in 14, there's, there's two points of action I want to invite us towards today. And the first point of action I want to invite you towards is to reject escapism. To reject escapism. You know, it, where, where we live, when and where we live right now, in, in, our, in our affluence and in the arrogance of technology, we can escape a million ways. You know, our lives are little, literally being devoured by screens. Beyond technology, there's work, education, sports, shopping, restaurants, chemical dependencies, travel. Some of those are, are inherently destructive. Some of them are not good or bad, necessarily. I'm not, I'm not condemning any of, the, of these. The chemical dependency is not helpful in our lives. It's, it's dis destructive. But there, there's so many ways that we're escaping. The sheer volume of email in any one of our inboxes is enough to dam up the Charles River right now. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to get away from it. And saying no to, to escaping probably means doing less for a lot of us. In, re in reality, escaping is putting myself at the center. L listen to verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Now, bitter jealousy, wanting, wanting something else that someone else has. Selfish ambition, the, the, this place that the, 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 the gnawing emptiness that I'll be filled when I'm proved that when I prove that I'm better than someone else. Uh, I'll be filled when when I've proved that someone else is less than me. 
doesn't produce life. It doesn't produce wisdom in us, does it? And, and in reality, when, 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 that, when my need for affirmation, when my need for value gets so great that, and I put myself at, my, at the center, it necessarily devolves into jealousy and selfishness. It necessarily gives way to cowardly escapes where I devalue the people around us. Oh, I devalue the, devalue the people around me. He's calling us to put someone else at the center besides me. He's calling us to put someone else at the center besides ourselves. Comparison. Now, we have a, we have a, a, a saying that we try to repeat in our family. Comparison kills joy. I don't know if you, you wrestle with comparison in your family. I wrestle with comparison. My kids wrestle with comparison. And it, 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 you know, from the, if you cut a hot dog in the middle, how, how long is the hot dog on either side to who, who runs from the car to inside fastest? Every, everything is about comparing and who's better or who has more. That's a revelation of our hearts. It's so, it's so, it's so vivid in our kids. That's a revelation of my own heart right there. Comparison kills joy. You know, I, I, I believe so much of, and this is something I've experienced in my own life, so much of our sexual brokenness comes down to feelings of inadequacy and rejection. The Lord wants to meet us in that place. He wants to meet us. And there, and I tell you, there, there, this room, sprinkled all across this room, are people who have found fullness, healing, and wholeness, and are finding freedom, redemption in the most broken places. The Lord is doing something beautiful. This is what He is inviting us to as a people. Will you reject escapism? It's hard. Will you reject it? We're invited to, to stand and face the trial, the discipline. Sometimes the lies are being screamed at you. You're alone. You're screwed up. You're never going to amount to anything. Sometimes they're just in your face screaming. Sometimes they're whispering. You're always going to be a slave. It's always going to be that way. Why bother? But the truth is that those of us who've embraced Jesus and his transformative work of grace, there's something beautiful happening in the midst of tears and in the midst of ache. You are not alone. You are not a slave of the idol of self. You're not a slave. You're not a slave of performance. And the work that he has started in you, he will bring to completion Count it all joys, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The second action point I want to invite us to is to reject the world's definition of love. And again, this comes back to putting self at the middle. 
verses 15 and 16 of our passage here. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. It doesn't matter the environment, our church, our politics, our schools, our homes. When love of self is at the center, it's not just mildly unhelpful, it's toxic, it's vile. Can we let God define what love looks like? And and I believe that, that love is beautifully fleshed out in both singleness, giving giving ourselves wholly and fully to the Lord, and no other, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and in marriage. Marriage that being a picture of Christ laying himself down for, for his bride. Covenantal love that is a sacrifice of self. That's the definition of love. God's character, you know, tr- trust is the, is the foundation of relationship. And we have relationship because of God himself. He is the definition of trustworthiness, right? Because of, of his faithfulness, there, there is security where intimacy can dwell. He's calling us to a place of intimacy that's give, a giving up of ourselves, not a demanding to take and have what I want when I want it. know love and this is one reason why i wanted to draw out love love and wisdom they they dwell in the same space because both require a sacrificial giving up of ourselves and i want us to listen here we're 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 in the last few minutes here i want us to listen here to james description of wisdom in verse 17 there's a there's a list here can you can you put just the list up of of what's uh, there we go But the wisdom from above is first pure. It's unadulterated, undiluted, filled with good things. It's beautiful. He's calling us to delight in what is good and right and true. Wisdom is pure. It's peaceable. Being a peacemaker almost always means engaging, jumping into the fray, but never in an effort to control. Peacemakers stop and listen. Peacemakers seek out reconciliation. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Wisdom is gentle. You know, the way a conversation happens is just as important as the words that are used in that con- the content of the conversation. He calls us to be gentle. Is being gentle when our emotions are revved up hard? It's hard. It's hard. And he's, he's calling us to learn that in our, in our homes, with our roommates, our families, here. He, he, he allows emotions to get revved up in our church relationships, Right? Because he wants us to learn gentleness. He wants us to learn wisdom in the trial of relationship. It, 
James uses some really strong words here to describe the environment that, that, that happens when wisdom is not in play. And we, we talked about this a second earlier, just dem- demonic. He calls it demonic disorder. You know, another word for disorder is confusion. If, if, we, if there's confusion going around us, something's amiss because God's not a God of confusion. But there's an undercurrent in our culture right now that's, that, that, that is trying to polarize and politicize matters that go far beyond just these political agendas where, 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 where our culture is trying to box us in and define how we talk about things. And what's crazy is the way that people belittle and dehumanize each other in these contexts is a stark and vivid expression of what James is talking about here. Vile. Confused, confusion, disorder. And he's calling us to enter in with a heart of gentleness. Gentleness does not denote timidity. It does not denote weakness. Humility is not weakness. It's strength. And he's calling us to step into the fray. The one thing, and this is, this is, oh, this, is, this, is this is not a can that I, should, that I should open when I just have a few minutes, but I'm going to do it. I like doing this in all honesty, but um, so this past week, this past week, I I heard the I heard the uh, it's, I don't know if it's a new term. It's the first time I heard it. The term reproductive justice, and it was in the context. It was an NPR in the context of discussing, uh, talking about abortion, pro-choice, pro-life, and and it was a, a term used uh, by someone who's speaking from a pro-choice term a point point of view, and. Uh, when I heard when I ter- heard the term reproductive justice, I heard them the justice really stuck with me. I thought, hey, I know this. I I I I feel like I'm I'm on the other side in terms of what I believe God was on God's heart, and that is the life of the unborn. But I like this term reproductive justice, and it and it got me to thinking that, you know, justice is not l- is not limited to political activism. Wisdom is not cannot be confined in political activism. And as God is calling us to live out wisdom, he's calling us to do it in gentleness. And what follows is open to reason. He calls us to be approachable. He calls us to have open hearts so that we can be approachable. And you know what? When I hear, when I, and, and, I, and, and I don't want to confuse this at all, I believe that God, his heart is deeply, to the core of who he is, grieved by the brokenness that produces the death of children in the, in the form of abortion. It's a hard thing to talk about. And, and my heart, even in saying that, if you're in a different place, I, I am not wanting to heap condemnation on you. I'm not wanting you to leave. I want to I talk about it together. And I believe that me, us, living out our, our, our lives to, to, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our, our God, and it requires us to engage on issues like that. But you know what? When I hear... People talking about abortion. Many times it's women talking, talking about it. And, and uh, you know, right now the discussion is, is being led by women, which I believe is right in some ways. But if, you, if I listen, I don't just hear issues uh, about the unborn or abortion. I hear, I hear places crying out saying, we as women have been misogynized long enough We've been looked down on. We've been mistreated long enough. And so, yes, there, there can be anger there. And there can be pain. There can be woundedness there. 
But can we as the body listen? Can we be approachable? There's so many things going on in all these issues where the, where the enemy is trying to produce bitterness, jealousy, and selfish ambition. And he's calling us to walk into the fray. And can, can we walk into the fray being gentle? Can we walk into the fray being open to reason? And, and I, I wanted to talk about what the Lord's doing in me and with issues of racism and how, how I've been influenced personally about w- with institutionalized racism. It's affected me personally, the way I think, the way I act, the way I judge. And I have not been listening to my brothers and sisters who are saying, we are hurting. Who are, are with steadfastness, with hope, with courage, with, with, with this list of ap- attributes saying, we're hurting. This is not right. And I haven't been listening with my heart. I've been engaged in some ways, but I have not been listening with an open heart and being impro- uh, approachable on issues of racism. The Lord is calling us to go to these places, and wisdom has to go with us there. Amen? I want to invite the band up. I want to I leave this list up here and uh, invite you to respond on, on anything, that, anything that the Lord might do, be doing in your heart, but a couple of specifics to throw out for you. Where are you escaping? Where, where does the Lord want you to turn and not go there anymore and instead lean into Him, into the trial? Fall into Him and let Him produce this work of wisdom in your life. And God's a God of Sabbath rest, rest and restoration in Him, developing those, those rhythms in our lives. That's not escape. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to confuse those two things. But avoiding what the Lord is tr- wanting to do, choosing to, to fill those places that the Lord wants to fill with something else that's not bringing life and restoration. That's what I'm talking about with, escape, with escaping. Where are we escaping? Where am I at the center where the Lord wants to be at the center? And then lastly, are there, are there any in this list of what wisdom produces? We didn't get to the last three, impartiality, our blind spots being pointed out. I don't, think, I don't think this is justice. I think justice is our eyes being opened and our blind spots being revealed so that we can make right judgments. This, this list, what's the Lord wanting to, to cultivate specifically in you to bring change and transformation in your heart in the area of wisdom?